0: Hello, and thank you for calling the PAC-12 and PAC-12 Networks. If you have a customer service question about PAC-12 Network, please visit our support page at support.pac-12.com. For all other questions, please leave a message, and we will get back to you soon. Thank you.
1: Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Hi, Larry. I'm uh, I'm pressing pound over and over again. I'm trying to get to your support line for your referees. How come it's not working? Just like DirecTV.
2: My understanding is there's some openings in the refereeing for the Pac-12. Is that true?
1: Where do I apply? What are the qualifications? Do you have an online application form? While we're talking about applications, do you have any, any for DirecTV while we're at it? Do you guys have d- difficulty choosing... W- between your UW jammies and your USC jammies each night, how do you how do you make that determination? Maybe they're in their USC jammies sleeping in their UW sheets. Which jammies do you target to wear? <laughs> yeah, I'm
3: trying to reach David Coleman, the head of the officials, or has Larry Scott ejected him?
2: Hey Larry, I was wondering if we could get a new sponsor for the Pac-12.
1: It's a shopping center called Target. But, but then, Larry, you would actually have to use the sponsor each week.
2: <laughs> You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for
4: your Utah youths. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and
0: Scott.
3: Welcome on into to the Utah Man podcast on this episode. We're talking Utah and Washington State, and we're joined by former Ute Steve Tate and Michael Preston from Coog Center from SB Nation. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And we got Scott. I'm
2: back. He's back from sunning with his mother-in-law.
1: <laughs> I am back and better than ever. You know, and really, my bye week couldn't have come at a better time.
3: (laughs) So, yeah, Scott, it is nice to have you back, sort of. It was really nice last week, Ryan, that we were able to talk without getting made
1: fun of, anyone stepping over us. Please. I listened to that podcast as I was driving home. My self-esteem was so low, I thought about (laughs) veering into oncoming traffic.
3: (laughs) Scott. Because you were out last week, we'll let you have an open mic
1: open mic
3: it's all yours
1: you sure i don't want I don't wanna like talk over anybody and like take up time if let me let me paint a picture here for you so i'm I'm in beautiful lake Powell on a houseboat, working all day to get the we're trying to get the satellites working so that uh, we've got a clearer a clear uh, picture for the game, and the first half it was in and out. Just like the Utes. It was just, we could see 30 seconds and then it would just go blank. It was so frustrating. <laughs> it was just like us at the game. <laughs> so then we got we got it on a, to do a different satellite for the second half. Crystal clear. I could see all of the drops in HD perfection. I'm not sure I've ever been more frustrated watching a football game in my life. And the worst part is I didn't have cell service, so I could not vent on Twitter after the game. <laughs> Nor can I read other Ute fans venting on Twitter. It was kind of a tough experience, but uh, I battled through. I'm stronger because of it. I think I've calmed down. I think it's a good thing I wasn't here last week. I still probably would have been a little heated, but I think I've I well, think I've calmed down.
2: As you know, we did read your tweet, or not your tweets, your text from after the game that uh, pretty much called Wit out. And then those the,
3: those are those the, were heat of the the, <laughs> the point shaving was my favorite part. Yeah, Did, didn't we get investigated is. yet?
1: Because it, it sure looked like we should have. No, it was I don't I don't even know in all reality. It was a good thing I was not here last week just because I'm not sure there was anything good that could come out of that performance outside of the defense. Defense continues to show up. Defense, I mean, this defense is is playing incredible. We, obviously a big test for the secondary this coming week, but the defense is playing lights out. Defensive lineman with near pick six that the offense could not take advantage of. Many opportunities that the offense could not take advantage of. I know I listened to the podcast. You guys broke it down in quite detail. The uh the misery of, of that offensive showing. But but I will say, I will agree, offensive line did look a lot better, um, a lot better protection for Huntley in the pocket. The running game looked better when Troy Taylor decided to use it. Um, Which was really only on one drive. There's some- okay, here, poll question, insta-poll. Is Troy Taylor still the OC at end of season?
2: Yes. I think it depends on how what our record is at the end of the season. I mean, it, on the path we're on now, it's up in the air
1: to me. This is what I'm seeing, okay? Right? We've seen this show. This show is on repeat. It's like a nightmare you can't wake up from. We we bring in a new OC, bring in a new system, a new type of spread, and after it doesn't start it's not working too well, we we pull back and We change responsibilities a little bit. We get more conservative. We go back to the run. And then we hire another passing OC. (laughs) So at at some point, they either got to let Troy do his job. But I will say Utah's in a tough spot because the strength of this offense is running the football. But I don't think that's the strength of Troy Taylor's offense. He doesn't want to run the ball more than he absolutely has to. If If he could just do whatever he wanted. He would throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. I mean, that's what he did at Eastern Washington where they threw the ball for over 400 yards a game. And obviously we don't have the personnel to do that Clearly. currently, at least it, it, it's showing that. So they're definitely in a tough position. I'm really interested to see how they come out um, Saturday Ooh. and uh, and and what, what the game plan is going to be at. Obviously, they're going to run the ball, which made that very clear.
2: I found it interesting. I don't know if either of you listened to Bill Riley today interview Zach Moss. He asked him him if he was injured in the last game or if he should have carried the ball more, and he flat out said, I was okay or I wouldn't have played.
1: So he says he's okay. You're probably going to get that, but here's my question. I get it. He's a player. He wants to play. He wants to carry the ball. But let's say say the coaches thought Moss was not being as effective. They didn't want to injure him further, so they take him out. When all offseason through fall camp, they're praising this running back core, why do you not have confidence in your backup to give him the carries that otherwise would have gone to Moss?
2: He's not practicing right.
1: (laughs) Hindsight hindsight should be our next OC. (laughs) I'm kind of tired
2: of the every week broken record of well we should have run the ball more
1: in hindsight we should have done this yeah a lot of good it does us now
3: well scott it's it's good to have you back is it really so it does look like we have steve tate wow. on the line so let's go ahead and let's bring steve on the pride of skyline high one of the greatest eagles to ever grace the field and he's a great you steve tate steve how are you doing buddy
0: I'm doing well. You, uh, yeah, uh, not not often they they go back to the they refer to me as the the eagle man, the former eagle. That's, <laughs> that's always good to hear. I I wear that with pride. I still I still rep Skyline, even though we're in the Olympus boundaries. You know, I coach my son's Olympus team, and hate when I uh, when I start talking about my Skyline days. But you know what, I I still rep it.
3: <laughs> so I have to give full disclosure. I've known Steve, he's a couple years older than me, but I've known Steve since high school. So, going back years, Steve's always been a great guy. He is, I mean, super nice, giving up his time to talk to us. So let's just jump into it, Steve. We don't want to take too much of your time. The first question I have for you, as as a player at Utah who really played at a high level, what are you seeing out of this Utah defense that you like and that you think is helping them play at such a high level?
0: Well, it's, it's interesting to see how, um, how they've changed over the years. You know, it's a, it's a little bit different than when I played. Um, I think certainly schematically it's different. Um, I think fundamentally it's the same, if that makes sense. I mean, fundamentally they're still playing man to man defense, rely on, on heavy corner pressure. Um, uh, but you know, when I played we were a little more, probably a little more aggressive. We took a little more, um, a little more risk but you were able to because you know we it was still kind of as the spread was getting introduced and and so you know now you're not able to take some of those risks and in fact i think that's where it's evolved a little bit defensively for utah is that and now they they uh you know they take out essentially uh uh, a linebacker at all times they're playing with uh, a, a nickel corner so you're seeing kind of a linebacker out of the mix and a, and a corner coming in so it's a little bit different but you know what it's kind of the 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 mantra is the same it's the blue collar um very kind of pro defense so a lot of these guys play in college and play for coach Whittingham are able to go to the NFL and uh and pick up on the game really well because that's kind of how we're taught and um you kind of uh, everyone's got to kind of know how to read an offense and the the adjustments, and so it's been it's been a fun to watch. It's it's really you know you kind of know what you get with Utah every year. It's it's a system on on defense, and and you know you plug and play almost.
3: When you were playing, what kind of things did you do during a bye week? And did you use you know that two weeks to get ready for that for the next game, or was that first week of the bye just basically getting kind of a break from football, resting mentally and physically?
0: Yeah, a little bit of both. You know, if you hated it, if you if you weren't um, if you weren't a starter, you hated the bye week because they treat the bye week for those mm-hmm. that aren't starting as as more as like an extra spring a week of spring practice. And so, you know, it's full pads every day. It's you know uh, live drills and it, it, there's scrimmages every every day. And so, mm-hmm. you, you hated it. You know, fortunately, I was able to start um, three years at Utah, but my red shirt year festival year you know that's when i it was, a, it was a little bit of a grind you're just um you're you're they're just using it as a, a developmental week for, for a lot of the guys and so the starters that week are are not completely off but they're getting treated um you know it's interesting coming at the time when it is for utah right now and only having three games um just because you're not as you're not as banged up, but you know you use as much as much time you can to prepare. And I was actually up there today. I was actually up and, and last week. And I know those guys, even in their body last week. I mean, the coaching staff's up there watching the film. So any 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 free time you get, um, you know, the, the more you became a became a student of the game, uh, the you know better advantage you got on the field. So I was always putting in time in the film room and, and gaining somewhat of an edge on my opponent through through film.
2: Hey Steve, I'd love to get your take uh, since you understand X's and O's quite a bit about what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Is is this uh, is this play calling? Is it execution? Is a wide receiver's dropping the ball? <laughs> or is it all of the above?
0: <laughs> Probably, yeah. You know, it it seems like a broken record at Utah. Um, you know, I, I just you kind of you, you got to understand just essentially the, the formula that that this this coaching staff has for winning and, and the formula they have for winning has been successful in years past. Um, that formula for winning, unfortunately, doesn't include a dynamic offense. And that's just the reality. I mean, if you go, if you've gone uh, through the years, and of course, I, I, I knew it firsthand because I played, but it, the, the keys to winning in Utah has never been about um, dynamic high scoring, you know, uh, goals. That's just never there. That's just never been a goal. That's just never been a mantra. That's just never been the mindset. So the, the, the keys to winning for this particular, you know, uh, coaching staff has always been about playing fundamentally sound, play good defense, score in the red zone. Don't turn the ball over and play good special teams. And that's really, um, no matter what, what happens and they can they go get the most dynamic offensive coordinator in the world. The reality is, is they're going to rely heavily on their defense. They're going to rely on field position, uh, with their special teams and then, um, take an advantage when they get inside the end zone to take, to take their shots. But up leading up until then, you know, it's going to be more, um, I don't want to say low risk, but you know, it's, it's going to be controlled risk and, You'll take some chances here and there, um, but most part it's about putting together drives, um, ball possession. So it's just, you know, it's, I compare it to, I mean, it's, sometimes I use it, I compare basketball to, um, you know, I I can compare it to like a a basketball team, right? I mean, look at Rick Majeris. If you go back to the days, I'm, I know I'm I'm aging myself with that, but most Utah fans, understand
4: can
0: <laughs> they, most most Utah fans can relate to that. You know, Majeiras was he ever about scoring? No, right. He was not mm-hmm. about. I mean, a lot of fans probably got disgruntled because Utah wasn't necessarily this this prolific uh, team when it came to offense. But he was all about ex X's ex- and O's and execution. And uh, a lot of times you saw um, an offense that was just. That plays right and it wasn't the high prolific offenses and so um but to, to kind of use that as an analogy i think that's probably fair to say utah's you know kind of the same mindset and that's how they win and you know the one thing you can't disc- discredit is this coaching staff uh you know getting to ball games year in and year out but i think where the fans grow frustration certainly is taking that next step
2: i mean i think uh from a you know from a fan standpoint we see this on twitter all the time and and listen to it on the radio the things you talked about is you know uh the defense controls the game and score score in the red zone but those kind of things aren't happening right we're not scoring in the red zone even special teams isn't as great this year as it has been in the past so i think that's where the frustrations may be coming in
0: yeah I, i would agree with you um I, I think, you know, it's, it's still small, somewhat of a small sample size. I mean, Washington's got a good defense. I, 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 you know, I, I can't defend the NIU game. And all you've got in addition to that is the, the, the Weaver State game. So you have a, you know, somewhat of a small sample size. And, and the one kind of outlier game is the Washington game against a really good defense. But, you know, regardless, fans are uneasy with so far the lack of, their ability to to put up points um and uh you know certainly it's interesting we're we're in the days you know when i played you could you could get away with holding your opponent to 21 points and and winning right but mm-hmm. but here in the Pac12 if if you hold your opponent to 21 points you know if you if you were to say before the game we're going to hold washington to 21 points I tell you, we're going to win. Sure, you know, yeah. it's just that that, but you just, you, you got to be able to put up points. I mean, the Pac 12 is, is a point driven conference and you know, it, it's not going to change anytime soon. It's always been kind of prolific offenses. Um, you, you always kind of, you always have those, 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 uh, you know, creative mindsets as, as coaches. And so Utah's got to find ways to put points on the board. And that's, you know, that's the pressure they're facing right now.
3: So t- definitely agree. Utah's got to put points on the board. You played quarterback in high school, so you and and uh, I know you did dabbled with it a little bit in college at Utah State uh, and, and a little bit with Utah. But how does, in in your opinion, what would Utah need to do, or what do you see that maybe is may, could be a quick fix that if they just kind of tweak this or tweak that, it could help the offense kind of move the ball a little bit better.
0: Oh, that's a loaded question. You know, I um. I, I don't know. I, I think, um, if you look statistically, Huntley's been fine statistically, right? But I think where the frustration grows is, you know, for whatever reason, it's not translating into the ultimate goal, which is to score points. And, and, uh, and they put themselves in, you know, in a pretty good position to do so. Uh, I think, I think right now, if you were to look, they, they don't, they don't stretch the field. They don't vertically, they don't stretch the field right now. And, uh, You've got to be able to stretch the field vertically. You know, it's the only way you're going to soften up the the, the box, right? And, and you know, right now we know Moss and how good he is running between the tackles, but until you can prove to stretch the field vertically, you're 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 going to have a loaded box. And so, and, and even you know, the the I think if our, you know I haven't looked exactly the stats, but I I remember coming across one. I mean, I think the average pass right now Utah is having is it's like under 10 yards right I mean they're just short passes and and that's not going to stretch a defense so you've got to be able to have vertical passing game and so um you know who's that guy for Utah and then and um I think that's what fans are dying to see is who's that guy that's going to stretch you vertically I mean Covey's going to give you your lateral game he's going to give you your quickness he's going to be your slot receiver end around you name it That I mean he's dialed he's as good as anyone but where's that vertical game coming from? Covey's not more of a vertical threat. And so um they've gotta they've gotta develop that and, and um you know, they gotta take some shots vertically just to soften up some defense.
2: Steve, jumping back to the defensive side of the ball, what uh how how is Gary Anderson coming back uh, affected or yeah, I guess affected the or improved the defense?
0: Well, uh, you know, I mean Coach Anderson, you're you're getting a guy who He's 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 right now Gary Anderson go well first off he he was just out of Oregon State. He was at he was at Wisconsin. I mean you're getting a, a guy in your coaching staff who is probably a, a top five coach in the packs <laughs> well. I mean the truth is
4: mm-hmm. and
0: here he is, he's he's a you know, defensive line coach. I mean, uh one can make an argument, he's probably you know, I I said top five, I mean I, I think you give him the, the right situation. Now I don't know if Oregon State was the right situation, but um he, He's a he is just a, a top coach. He really is. He's proven that before. I mean, he changed the entire program at Utah State. Um, he was able to go to Wisconsin and win. Um, you know, things didn't work out at Oregon State um, as much as he'd like. But I think we're seeing a little bit of a ripple effect at Nebraska, right, Mike Riley. I'm not sure what he does to his players when he leaves, but goodness, oh my gosh!
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it it, it, it oh, maybe it's the a, a plague that I don't know what goes on, but I love Mike Riley, but right now he's he's 0 for two as far as you know programs and how he leaves them because, you know, Frost has gotten there and I think he realizes how, how bare the cupboard is. And I know yeah. Coach Anderson felt the same way at Oregon State. So uh but you know he's great. I mean Coach Anderson is um if 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 there's a guy that I'm closest to on that coaching staff, it's Coach Anderson. I mean Coach Anderson's a a father like figure. He's a guy that loves you. You know, he'll he'll tell you that. I mean he'll tell you how much he cares about you, how much he loves you, and, and you feel it. And he will get after you, and he'll call you names you've never heard before. He's very <laughs> Sloan esque, very very much like Coach Sloan. But at the end of the day, you know that he loves you, and it was like so you anybody. I mean you, you should love the guy. I mean he is uh, very much a father figure in there, and and uh, that to have him back is huge.
3: So Steve, one thing that I really like to get. Uh, Former players opinions on, especially uh, ones that played in the Mountain West. How has this program evolved from those years in the Mountain West and and now kind of being, you know, established in the Pac-12?
0: Yeah, well, first off, I um, I still, I will tell all my kids I was all Pac-12, and that's, that's a given. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. That's a given. <laughs> yeah, your dad was all conference. <laughs> was that the Pac-12 then? Yeah, it was the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, just, that's a given. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's night. I was just up there today. It's it's night and day. I mean, I was up there to get a few things for our charity, and um, I mean, it can... <laughs> This just puts it in perspective. I have one helmet right one one helmet one one uniform, and they have one helmet a week, right? I mean, I went and got a helmet that they wore one time, and uh they it, it's just the money right now that is flowing into the universe of utah is it's insane it's it's i I will say this, and I still stand behind this. I think in ten years, there is no longer Division one. I actually think it turns in, I think in 10 to 15 years, it's going to be the power five as its own, own division of college football, because I just, it's too hard to compete against power five conferences. If you're not in them, the money is it's, it's just compounding. You just benefit from teams being on top and it's all kind of a, a a shared in in some of that shared bonus. And when they get to the big games and as long as they're doing, performing well, each team benefits and the rich get richer and the poor get poor. And, uh, it's, it's night and day to when I played it, it really is. I mean, facilities are, are state of the art. Um, you've got, you're able to hire staff to do even simple things. Like you know, back then you had one person doing tons of things. I mean, it's just, it's night and day. I mean, the, 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 I'll give you an example, like for, for eating, for food, like nutrition for us, I would have loved to have, act, have had access to the food that they're eating. I mean, my, what my food consisted of was we would run literally the, right after class, we'd go to like Wendy's or subway and we'd grab a sub, you know, before practice, these guys have a 24 hour chef on site and access to, and we're talking, you know, the best food. I mean, you know, I was up there the other day. Bison Burger. I mean, they just—it's—it's it's insane, and they have all you can eat, and it's paid for. So it and 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 obviously you can't do that if you don't have the money, but they've got the money, and so it it is really interesting the way college football has changed and evolved.
3: Well, I have to say, as as a fan, I I think it shows a lot when former players are still connected and still choose to come back. And be a part of the program, so I think that says a lot about your character and a lot about what Winningham um, is running up there, as far as a program that former players want to come back and kind of be a part of it. Uh, so, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I I love it. I mean, I, I grew up here. I'll never. I'll always be you. I grew up here, and so yeah, it's it's just it's a part of me. It's a part of my family. It's it's, it's my identity.
3: So you brought up your foundation, and that's one thing I, I really want to talk to you about. Uh, it's the Haystuff Foundation, named after your son, after one of the triplets. And this past week, there was a silly bet on Twitter that you know one one Utah fan bet a BYU fan that BYU would not be ranked um, before they dissolved that the the program down there. And after one week, it, uh, he failed at that, um, and it it really turned into both uh, fan bases coming together and, and throwing. Um, a donation and raising funds uh, for Hay's tough. I was just curious: is there an update on how much just that little, you know, bet has, has grown into?
0: You know, it. Uh, last we checked, we were uh, we were north of seventy six hundred. I think we I think we've reached the eight thousand mark. I think we're, awesome. we're at 8,000 on that. That's
3: man. incredible. And, and for those that are yeah. maybe aren't, aren't too familiar, can you just kind of give a background uh, a, a little bit about your story and the foundation and what it does? Yep.
0: Yeah. So the Hayes Tough Foundation uh, is, is in honor of our son Hayes who passed away from brain cancer um, at 20 months. And, you know, we felt you know, there's only really two ways to to go about grief, the grieving process and losing a loved one. And, uh, you know, you can, you can sit back and let it take you to dark places and, 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 uh, you know, choose that, that form of grief or you try to make good of it. And, um, you know, as we sat back and as we watched our son suffer and, you know, and, but continue to be so lively in his spirit, it was one of those kind of no-brainer situations for us where we just, uh, of course we, we kind of felt it was, Somewhat necessary for us to keep his legacy alive. So we found that we formed the foundation. We we had had so much support throughout the year uh, of his of his battle um, through social media and you know fan base. Obviously Utah and BYU. I mean people were so um, willing to you know for us and 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 show us love that we kind of felt the need to kind of return some of that. So we started the foundation and it's it's been um it's been good we we started it uh june probably 2017 so just six months or so after he passed away and you know his first year we were able to raise 165 thousand. Just so my wife and i you know there's no this is not my job this is just my wife and i we just do this other goodness of our heart to get back and to keep our son's legacy alive but our focus initially was uh really aiming to to kind of provide the experience for those kids from zero to three. See, for the kids zero to three, they don't qualify for make a wish. And so we fortunately my family financially we were able to, you know, do whatever we wanted and we took a trip to Disneyland and un unbeknownst to us, it would have it was our last trip together as a family and so we, we always look back on that and and wonder what if we didn't get that chance. And there's so many thousands, so many thousands of kids out there that don't the families out there that don't get that chance because they don't have the means to do it. So initially our intent was to really provide that, that gap for people who don't qualify. And then what we realized was just how much more of a need there is other than just that. I mean, make a wish is a great foundation, but our, our focus is, um, uh, is, 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 Greater and, and in some ways because we, we connect with them emotionally and, you know, people that give to our foundation see this emotional impact and we've helped kids. Um, so we provide grants financially. Um, you know, last year we were able to give out eight grants of $5,000 or more to families and four of which, um, of those kids, uh, four passed away and, and they were able to go some time with their families, one last trip together before they passed away while they're on hospice. And so we provided that, a uh, vacation we've done. Uh, I mean, you name it, we've done, we've bought kids, uh, teeth and, um, kids who, who lost their teeth through, uh, chemotherapy and had no teeth and they're in high school. And so we provided the opportunity to, uh, dental implants, uh, and service docs for kids that socially were, um, anxious and, and didn't have the ability to communicate well with their peers because of just the side effects of chemotherapy. And so we were able to provide a, a service dog if we went and bought one for this kid. And just a lot, I mean, there, I mean, I could go on and on of all the things we do and we aim, but we're just, we're here to help families fight childhood cancer. And whatever issue it may be, we paid for funeral expenses. We've done uh, so many different things because there's just a huge need. And and the medical bills are endless, and so we want to provide whatever we can at the foundation.
3: I mean, it's simply amazing. I, I don't know what else to, to say about that. Um, and I, I did want to ask you, uh, you are an author. You have your book, uh, The 20-Month Legend, My Baby Boy's Fight with Cancer. Can you just kind of give a little bit of background on, on what that book is uh, is really details and how that came about?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think that's probably the biggest accomplishment of my life. I mean, I, I, I was able to do a lot um I mean, I was always athletic, and and so I I don't know I always kind of felt like ath, ath athletics came easy to me. I was always an athlete. I knew I just you know whenever I took the court or the field, I I kind of felt like I was better. I just had I mean, God gave me the ability to play football. So this was and so I you know I, I those accomplishments were huge. The things I did and I cherished those. But like. When I became a published author, I think that was the coolest experience of my life because it was, you know, nobody expects this dumb doc to write a book and let alone uh, what it what it was about. And so, what it woke up one morning about 10 days after my son passed away, um, and uh, I got this distinct impression in the middle of the night to write a book. And I, you know, I tossed and turned, and of course, I did what any old washed up athlete does when they get inspired to write a book. I tried to forget about it and, you know, Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I couldn't. And it was like, it was so distinct, and it kept saying, you gotta write this book, you know. So, um, anyhow, fast forward two hours later, I, I'm actually, I, I, I actually paid attention and I started writing a chapter outline on my, on my phone. You know, literally picked up the, the notes pages on my, on my iPhone and started writing a chapter outline that just was the topics I was kind of felt inspired to write. And then, Two hours later, I got an anonymous message on on Instagram from one of the people that followed our stories. And and I've never heard from this person since. Um, I haven't heard from her since, but what she said, she just said, Hey, I I pray for your family and I followed you. And she said, I woke up this morning with a, a real impression to tell you to write a book. And she said, I don't know if this is something, I don't know why I get this feeling. And she said, I don't know if it's something you've already thought about, but I. If this is for whatever reason, I felt the need to tell you to write a book. And this was hours after I had woken up in the middle of the night to write this book. And so literally like drove to the Apple store and got my <laughs> my, uh, my computer and uh, I started writing. And I just I wrote and I would go to work every day. And when I came home, I would write. And I didn't go to like a happy place. I just, my kids were climbing over me and I was just writing. And uh, I finished the book in four weeks and um, I didn't know what I had with it. I had no experience writing a book. I knew I had some talent just based on my, over the years, I've been, I've received positive feedback, but, you know, writing a book's entirely different. So I, I shot a blind email uh, to, uh, and sent the book to a friend who was an author and, you know, he, got back. This is really good. And next thing you know, um, you know, somehow got connected to, to, um, to, uh, so I got connected to Covey and, uh, and, and obviously the Covey family has has their history. And next thing you know, um, they were able to connect me with a, uh, a, a, a publisher and i not a publicist, an agent, literary agent. And, and then next thing you know, like three months later, the agent pitched it to a publisher and here I was a published author. And so kind of really cool, you know, how it, how it came about. Um, but, uh, unexpected, but it's been, it's been a blessing for, you know, a lot of people who have read it, you know, I've the feedback I've gotten is that people read it and now their lives, their perspective is changed forever. And that's kind of all I hope to do.
3: Yeah, and I'll I'll definitely echo that, Steve. Because I mean I've read the book um I'm twice now, I I, I love wow. it. Um, and, and it, it was interesting because I went in I you know I don't have a child that had cancer, but yeah, just right. reading it has changed my perspective of being a father, um and being a parent. Um, so uh, for me, to you thank you first of all for wow. you know putting your story out there for for everyone, um, because yeah, I know it, it's it's helped. Um, thousands of people, um, e- even the ones that don't have a child with cancer, um, just any parent, uh, it- it's helping. So, where can people, you know, if, if they want to help out, uh, give a donation? Yeah. Uh, how can they do that, and also how can they they get a copy of your book?
0: Yeah, you know, um, fortunately, the book uh, is available at all Barnes and Nobles. Uh, you know, it, it depends. Uh, all, here locally, you can find it in the Barnes and Noble. I was in New York and I found it, you know, at all the Barnes and Noble there. It kind of all depends on, on supply demand and which area you're at, but you can always find it on Amazon, the book. Um, so it's on Amazon all the time. Uh, you can find it at barnesandnoble.com and, you know, all the, all the various bookstores throughout the, the world. But yeah, you can, you can find it pretty much it's available anywhere, but online, if you want to get it, it's available on Amazon and then as far as the foundation goes, uh you know, we are only as good as the people who donate. And that's true. It's 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 a different challenge now is that we we always want to stay relevant because if we don't stay relevant, people forget and you know, that the, the uh, so that's why I keep telling my story is that I don't want people to forget because once they forget, then you know, that's when you the irrelevancy kicks in and we never want to be that we want to make sure we're relevant so we can help families so i think that's why my wife and i have always kept active on social media and engaging and helping other people so we rely on donations we rely on uh people uh, you know finding it within themselves to be inclined to to donate to the cause and so um donations year round at hazetuff.org if you go to hazetuff.org there's a donate button Um, you can just Google Hayes tough and you'll find the website as well. And, 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 uh, yeah, we were extremely reliant on people and their willingness to donate. it's been pretty incredible to see how many people, uh, just jump in. And as you, as I mentioned with the BYU Utah rivalry challenge here, we've benefited from that and really kind of cool, but, uh, $8,000 for our foundation goes a long way that. That can help immediately. You can help so many kids, but you know, I can change the life for two families because we usually do grants for five thousand or more, and and send them and and create memories that they perhaps may, may never ever get again.
3: Awesome, Steve. Hey, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right.
2: All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve.
3: So it's always great to bring former players back, and really love talking to Steve Tate. And what he's doing with this ha- foundation is just amazing, helping out all those kids out there. So if you can, donate what you can, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes so you can go directly to the Hayes Tough website. All right, so Utah's traveling to Pullman to play Washington. The Bef- Palouse! Before we bring uh, Michael on from Kook Center, uniforms came out today for the game. Ah, we all know started. Scott is... Our devil wears Prada when it comes to the uniforms. <laughs> Scott, what, you have 30 seconds. What do you think of the uniforms?
1: I'm going to time. 30 seconds will not do justice for what needs to be said here. We are not Highland High School. For crying out loud, our colors are red and they are white. Enough with this black jargon. Jargon? <laughs> we look like Highland High School with blood on the jersey. We need more red, less black. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> oh,
3: that was thirty seconds. Good job. I don't mind the uniforms; they are what they are.
2: I I don't the all white jerseys. I like just fine, but I don't like it with the black helmet. I, I'd rather have the either the red helmet or the white helmet.
1: Amen. And and from from what we understand, the uh, the uh, the players decide what they're going to be wearing. Just the each seniors, week. correct? The seniors. Wh- Whoever it is, they saw
2: what happened last time. They wore the black helmets, right?
3: All right. So I know a lot of fans feel the same way as you guys. I I don't really care what they wear. I just want them to win. So it looks like we do have Michael from Kook Center on the line. But before we bring him on, I'll let you know that we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, and family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at eight zero one. 4046. zero four six all right join us on the phone from coog center is michael preston michael how are you doing tonight buddy
4: i'm good man how are you guys down in uh down in beautiful the wasatch front right down uh, in salt lake city i've been there many times and yet to go to red iguana which apparently is like a cardinal sin if you're visiting salt lake city <laughs> to not go there
3: it's true it's it, true it,
2: yeah it's true yeah. so maybe next year when you guys come to visit
4: that is why I think we rotate up the schedule next year. I think we do, maybe or maybe not. So, but uh, we'll find out next year. I, I can hardly keep track of when we're playing what Pac-12 South schools we're playing and when we're playing them.
3: So the first question I got to throw your way actually has to do with the a team in the South. the The last game that Washington State played against South Car- South Southern California. I don't know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> The last game against
4: you know it's just sometimes the brain doesn't connect with the tongue and the mouth and the teeth and it just it's just like you need like an electrician in there or something you know it's just, it's, it's bad. Stuff. It's but not just it an you can, I work in radio professionally and I still trip up more than you are right now so I wouldn't I wouldn't really worry about it.
3: So what happened in the last game against SC?
4: I mean I think I it's encouraging from the standpoint of I think everybody who kind of really took a close look at this football team uh before the season started i certainly wasn't you know that hopeful for um too many wins on the schedule i thought this was a team that was going to struggle to win some football games uh just because of how much they lost defensively uh, they did lose some talent on offense but not quite as much um so i think you know being up uh you know it was 10 late in the first half and then kind of stumbling out of the block a lot in the second half and really having a hard time scoring um, But that second quarter in the beginning of the third quarter was very encouraging. I think if you're a Washington State football fan, just from the standpoint of these guys, you know, went down to USC on a short week and they moved the ball. Uh 36 points is the most points they've ever scored at the Coliseum in school history. So um it's certainly something that, you know, I, I was very encouraged by, um, especially with the question of how good Gardner Minshew was going to be before the season. We just didn't know what we were going to get. Um, out of him before the season started. So I think his performance last week, no interceptions, uh, took care of the ball well, made some questionable throws, uh, but showed you why he's Uncle Rico too. So um from that standpoint, uh, I think things were good. The defensive backs, not very good at all, lots of pass interference in the defense, uh, obviously some room to improve. But, I, you know, it stinks to say it's a game you should have won, and it's hard to take a silver lining out of anything, but for as bad as I thought the team was going to be this year, 39-36, and USC needing to block a field goal with under two minutes to go in the game to win uh, is an encouraging step forward, I think, for a team that should be rebuilding right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just as when you brought up Minshew there, how how's he doing after that big hit that wasn't called targeting there towards the end of the game?
4: <laughs> well, you know, if you ask Mike Leach, you're never going to find out because as far as he's concerned, everybody's happy and healthy. Um, and as a matter of fact, <laughs> Uh, most of the time, he will leave guys on top of the depth chart who are actually out for the season. Peyton Palur was on top of the middle <laughs> linebacking depth chart last year, despite the fact that he was hurt uh, quite severely and out for the year. So um, the answer to that question is we have no idea, and we truly have no idea how he's doing. My assumption is that he, at the very least, you want to call it getting your bell rung, I think doctors prefer to call it a concussion Uh, these days, he certainly, you know, that, that, uh, play he called one call after that hit didn't make a lot of sense in that situation, especially for guys who've been moving the off well all night and who's had some pretty decent instincts on Mm -hmm. when to call runs. Uh, it it didn't Mm -hmm. make a whole lot of sense for any other reason than, uh, you know, he was not thinking straight. Um, nobody up here is particularly happy with the fact that that wasn't flagged. But then again, the Pac-12 officials have been maddeningly inconsistent on calling that this year and, it's just frustrating, especially from a guy like Porter Gustin, who he's a repeat offender with this, and he was mm-hmm. just coming off a of suspension for doing that. You know, you'd think you'd be wanting to keep an eye on him, and it looked intentional. I mean, it just oh, yeah. launching right at his head. It it looked bad, and the unfortunate thing is pac backwell can't do anything about it because the flag wasn't thrown. Um, so it's, I think it's disappointing from everybody. Mike Leach kind of made it known today in his press conference uh, that, you know, he had some things to say, but he can't say them because he likes money. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, he didn't say the likes money part. I said that to be clear. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, he, I, I, you can tell he's not very happy about it. And uh, I think he's got every right to be not very happy about it.
2: Yeah. I, and I completely understand where he'd be coming from there. I mean, and, and you, I think you kind of answered my, my, what my next question was going to be is how, how are, Cougar fans reacting to that non-call because, as you may uh, you may or may not know, two of Utah's players got ejected for at least what we thought were lesser or at least less egregious targeting calls in the previous week.
4: Yeah, no, I I, I think we were all we all had pretty much the same reaction. I mean, it was just it was I don't, I don't want to call it a dirty play because I don't know what Gustin's intentions were, but it looked pretty clear that he was launching right at Minshew's head, and I'm you know just from the standpoint of. Player safety being the emphasis, not only in the NFL but the NCAA, and to see something like that—I um, mean, that—that is that in—if—if if he did that intentionally, that's about as egregious uh, of a play, you know, in terms of badness uh, as it gets in football. And uh, I don't think anybody was very happy. Um, it would not surprise me if Minshew's in concussion protocol this week, and I, I really don't know what we're going to see um, from quarterback uh, this Saturday. Hopefully, he's back out there. Hopefully, he's feeling better. And hopefully he's able to clear everything. It helps to get the extra day, uh, to recover, obviously. So he, you know, he's going to have Saturday, didn't have to do anything. And Sunday, um, I believe, um, they practiced at night too. So he got all the way from, you know, Friday night that happening to him all the way to Sunday night until he needed to do anything. If he did do anything because practices are closed, so we don't know, um, if he did do anything on Sunday night. So luckily he had that extra day to recover. So, um, fingers crossed he's on the field, uh, this Saturday in Martin Stadium.
3: So with Minshew, you know, he's a grad transfer, his first year, only year in the program. How is he grasping this Mike Leach offense?
4: Um, well, I mean, to say the least, it, I, I think everybody's been really surprised because I think a lot of us were worried, you know, that as the team as he goes, kind of the team goes this year. And uh, so far it is, he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, he worked with Hal Mummy, who of course uh, kind of originated the air raid offense with Mike Leach. Uh, so many years ago, he worked with Hal Mummy over the summer for a few weeks to try to get a better grasp on the offense. And in high school, he'd run an offense that had some air raid concepts in it uh, as well. I think looking at his tape from East Carolina last year, it was pretty clear that East Carolina was just a pretty not very good football team. And when you have weapons like Washington State does on the outside, I think some people have argued that this is the best receiving core they've had in quite a number of years so he's got certainly got weapons to deal with um you, you know that or rather that he didn't have uh in Greenville so um I I think but we've still been all very surprised by how quickly he's picked it up and and how well he's playing And it's been a very pleasant surprise because we that was one thing we were very worried about uh coming into the season with Tyler Holinsky's passing was you know who who was going to step into this role who was going to take over and he came into school in June, and he put his foot on the gas, and he has not stopped. And he certainly—he seems to be a big leader of the offense, and he seems to really just, you know, have their attention, so to speak, and to to really be the guy who's in charge of that offense this year.
3: You mentioned the weapons that he has um, on the offensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. and I think that's one thing with Mike Leach and, and Washington State is year after year, it's just a, a wide receiver steps up. Who are maybe some of mm-hmm. the wide receivers uh, that are really shining this year that maybe Utah fans should should be looking for?
4: So Tate Martin didn't have a very good game against USC. He got three passes for just one yard, but he is the guy um, for Washington State. He's certainly the guy who Minshew has the best rapport with. Um, he's quick. He's athletic. I mean, he goes and he gets the football, and Minshew trusts him implicitly. I think that was part of the offense we were missing last year with Luke Falk. Luke Falk really – needed someone to be open to throw it to him. And Gardner Minshew just throws the ball at Tane Martin, even if he's draped by a defender and just trusts him to go get the ball. And uh, he frequently does. So he he's really the guy you need to keep an eye on. Desmond Patman has finally, this is this his junior year, we've all been waiting for this from him, finally scored his first collegiate touchdown last week. And he seems to really have taken a big step forward from last year, which was encouraging. I think we were all really rooting for him uh to, to make that next step. Uh Jameer Calvin is a slot receiver, also very athletic, very quick. He's made a couple of sliding catches uh so far this season and he's just a guy who's gonna go get the ball uh, no matter no matter where it is. Aesop Winston Jr. was our leading receiver last week. Uh he's a transfer from I think City College San Francisco sat out a year um and he had a really good game. A little shorter than you'd expect on the outside. He's only five foot ten. Uh, but he certainly plays a couple inches taller than that. And then I think one other name uh, on the inside to keep an eye on is Renard Bell. His speed, or actually Travell Harris, he doesn't catch too many passes. Renard Bell, too, but we'll talk about Trevelle Harris. He ran a kickback against Eastern Washington for a touchdown. Hasn't caught as many passes this year, but he's probably the quickest receiver Washington State has, so if he can get the ball in some space, uh, he's going to go an awful long way.
3: Moving to the other side of the ball with defense, I, I thought Coming into this year, Washington State kind of lost a lot of guys, especially guys like Hercules, uh, that yep. big impact players, uh, a new defensive coordinator comes in. How's that defense coming along? I, from an outsider's perspective, I think it's, it's better than what people were expecting. But someone in your yeah. position that, that watches this team a lot, knows it a lot. How's that defense coming along?
4: I think, like you said, it's better than we expected. And you're right about Hercules Madoff. I think Utah fans know his name very well from last year. He was living in the youth backfield, and that was a big loss for Washington. I certainly don't begrudge him for going to the NFL draft. He unfortunately tore his ACL, so he's not on any team right now, and he deserved it. I mean, the kid was as monstrous a football player as they've had on defense in a decade. Um, I, I think... I'm encouraged from the same point of, you know, this has been Tracy Clay's bread and butter for basically his entire career. He's been a defensive coordinator. Um, and after he was let go of Minnesota, I, I think I kind of view this as this is a bit of a reputation rebuilding project for him. And that's fine. You need to go to a place like Washington state where you can rebuild your reputation before you go somewhere else. But it also may be the case that he's just comfy staying at Washington state. He's done a lot with his defense this year that we were not expecting. Cause the defensive line is, paper thin and there aren't a lot of good guys up there. They don't get a lot of great pressure on their own and I think that was something we were worried about coming in off a pretty soft non-conference schedule. You meet the athletes USC has and it's very clear that these guys are going to have some trouble uh, in Pac-12 play. Luckily, the linebackers are back. Peyton Pelour, who I mentioned earlier, was out of eligibility. The NCAA gave gave him a 60 year of eligibility, so he's back. Jihad Woods is also there. Justice Rogers, Hunter Dale, Patrick Nunn, those guys up front really make a difference. And uh, Tracy Clays has shown some exotic blitzes this year. He's blitzed at some weird times. I don't think he blitzed enough against JT Daniels last week. I would have liked to have seen a little more pressure put on the Trojans quarterback. But so far this year, I think they're performing better than we expected. They're certainly not the stronger unit of the two when they, they definitely were last year. They were definitely the better of the two units. Uh But this, I, I think, still... We could say better than we were expecting them to be uh, this season, and, uh, and that's certainly a comfort for Wazoo fans because we, I was not expecting very good things out of them in 2018.
2: Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the last three meetings between Utah and Washington State have gone to Washington State. Why do you think Leach has Whittingham's number?
4: Uh, <laughs> that's a good question because at first he really didn't, right? That was the 2012 game. They blew out uh, Washington State by some ungodly score that we only made. Um, you, you know, even got a modicum of uh, you know self-respect back with the last-second touchdown. That seems Jeff so Cole. long ago. Uh, though. <laughs> oh no, no, it's, it's like an it's like an it's like an eon and like yeah, an right? epoch ago. It's like it's like ages ago, right? Uh, no, I I think it's just a case that I you know Mike Leach, he just some defenses he plays better against, Um you know, against the Huskies, dude can't move the football. I mean, Washington's defense is just really well-suited to stop the air raid. And, and, you know, I obviously don't know as much about the youth as you guys do, but my read on it would probably be that Utah is just not built as well uh to stop the air raid. I think last year was a pretty frustrating game for a lot of Duke fans. Even though they did win in Salt Lake City, it was not what I would call, you know – we weren't all jubilant about it because it was pretty clear that Washington state should have won that game by quite a bit more, but the offense stalled out a lot with Luke Falk. It seems to be humming along better with Gardner Minshew this year. So that's encouraging. Um, But I I also remember that comeback victory in the rain down in Salt Lake city. If I I think it was like 2014 or so. Yeah, it was 2014. I think uh, when they came back from, I think four touchdowns down, but um, it, I think it just is the case that maybe Mike Leach has athletes that, you know, Kyle defense has a hard time covering, and I if the issue with Utah's defense, if they have one this year, I know they've been very good so far in three games. If they have a problem covering receivers, this is going to be a challenge for them. Again, I know they had a slight problem with it last year, but again, you were dealing with a quarterback who, for some reason, regressed a long, long, long way from where he was. And Gardner Minshew, I've I've been comparing him a lot to 2014 Connor Halliday. He is much more like Connor Halliday. Doesn't quite have the arm Connor Halliday did, but he's got much better, much better ability to run. But they both had the same quality in that in this offense, I'm going to throw the ball in there. So you're going to have to do something about it, and if you don't, I'm going to keep throwing it in there because until you stop it, I'm going to make you pay for it. And even if you do and you pick it, I'm going to do it again because I'm going to fit the ball in there. It's just it's like we've been called we call him Uncle Rico. That's his nickname, like the guy from Napoleon Dynamite, because. He's going to throw the ball over that there mountain, and if he got in the fourth quarter, he, they would have won state, and he—that that is just the mentality. <laughs> I'm going to win this football game whether you want me to or not, and that's probably a really good mentality for this football team this year. In a year where they're rebuilding, a year where they're not as good, You know, they may be better than we, they thought they were going to be. Um, it's good to have someone with that kind of attitude that's just, you know what, screw it, I'm going to throw the ball, stop it if you can.
3: Of course you have to bring up the game a few years ago in Salt Lake when they're up by a couple well, of touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Utah fans talk about that every single year, and especially when <laughs> <laughs> when Washington State and Utah play, it always gets brought up. So yeah. it's one of those things that will never die with Kyle Winningham.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, know, I know it's been a frustration uh, down there, because Kyle, ever since we moved to Pac-12, it's, you know, it's been, what, pretty consistently eight or nine wins every season for Utah. So it's been a... I know for us that season, that was, you know, one of, like, three wins, I think. So it was definitely... Uh, it was definitely a turn in the right direction, and at least provided some uh, temporary happiness because uh, they went out and got their butt kicked like the next six weeks in a row. Cool. So, um, so at least a brief respite from the from the push kickings that were coming Wazoo's way that year. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and have you gotten have you gotten the muffin basket? I could have sworn I sent one that <laughs> hard. I apologize if it didn't get there.
3: Yeah. All right, like before we let you go, I mean we gotta ask you this. How do you think this game goes and do you have a winner?
4: I you know, it's like I think it opened a one point favorite for Washington State and it got bet up to about minus two or so. So really what that means is you're a three point you get three points for being the home team so really this is about a pick them uh in vegas i know utah's defense is probably going to be the best one actually no i can say it is the best one washington state will have faced all year um the question is whether utah can beat WSU's defense where i know they can be beat and that is in the rushing game and i know utah has a good rushing attack uh WSU's defensive backs weren't great Last week against USC, but again, you're talking about you know I, it's those SoCal athletes and those guys are just stupidly good. I think it's close. I think it takes a while, you know, to to really you know kind of feel out who's going to win this football game. But again, I think it stays close to the end. I think Wazoo ekes it out by a field goal. Call it something like 30 to 27, um, but it, it's going to be. It would not surprise me if Utah won. It would not surprise me if WSU when I truly. You know, I I lean towards Wazoo because I went to Wazoo, but it would not surprise me uh, no matter which direction this game went.
3: And Mike, for Utah fans that want to follow you during the game on social media, where can they find you?
4: Well, I tweet from the Coop Center account, so it's at Coop Center. I kind of leave the personal account away, so I do our uh, website. So CoopCenter.com Twitter feed is at Coop Center, and then we have a game thread on the website. We're part of the SB Nation network. Uh, as well over there. It's a home game, so I won't do as much tweeting because I'll be in my seat uh, enjoying the game, but uh, we have some decent coverage. We have good coverage on the website all week leading up to the game. I know, especially on Thursday and Friday, we have a couple of coaches that do some really good looks at the offenses and defenses for both teams, so I think uh, everybody will really like the coverage over there.
3: Perfect. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and jumping on with us. We appreciate it, and we'll stay in touch.
2: Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
3: All right, great insight by Mike. And honestly, go check him out this week, Utah fans, because they have a lot of great content. If you want to learn a little bit more about Washington State, uh, what to expect in this game, go check him out at kookcenter.com. So as we end this podcast, we end with the Pac-12 and 12, where we break down every single game. And that's brought to you by Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South, Give them a call at 801 359 And they are the preferred hotel by Pac 12 teams when they come into Salt Lake. Some really interesting games uh, that happened this past weekend within the Pac 12. Let's just run down Washington State loses at USC 39 36, came down to a blocked field goal. Porter Augustine should have been ejected out of the game. Or what we talked about with Michael earlier on the show. Washington State had it in their hands. Utah needed USC to lose, and credit to JT Daniels stepping up and making plays where he needed to. So USC gets that win, thirty-nine to thirty-six. I
1: mean, the officials stepped up and, and made and a And credit point to two. the men in stripes. Um, you know they uh, they performed exceedingly well, making Larry quite proud, and uh, allowing uh, blocked field goal to take place.
2: I think he slept in his maroon jammies that night.
3: Arizona comes away with a victory against Oregon State, 35-14. to
2: Oregon State, man, that is...
1: Arizona's back.
3: <laughs> so I will give credit to Arizona. Their offense did look better. They did a lot of things to let Khalil Tate be successful, something I wish Troy Taylor would do with Huntley. Uh, they let him make easy throws, but he's still not running the ball, I think, as well as did last year. But Oregon State couldn't stop Arizona whatsoever. So
1: Well... Just to throw a little caveat in here, it was against Oregon State.
3: Very true. So thirty-five to fourteen for Arizona. Next game, Stanford at Oregon. Stanford, man, what a down game by that seventeen was. at halftime. Came back, win in overtime, thirty-eight to thirty-one. Only time they led in the game was in overtime. I, everyone thought the Ducks were going to come away with the victory. All they had to do was knee the ball, run the clock out. They ran it and fumbled, and Stanford took advantage. Came down, tied it, and then won it in overtime. It, a Great game.
1: Great game. I mean, at one point, it really should have been 31-7 Oregon, which would have put the game away. The touchdown gets reversed on the very next snap. They, uh, they snap it over his head, pick it up, scoop and score for six points. And that momentum was crazy to see what Stanford could do after they got that momentum. And a great game. Yeah, that, that's a brutal, absolutely brutal loss for Oregon.
3: I'm still really not sure what's going on with Bryce Love. He's not having the dominating season that he had last year. So He has he, an undisclosed injury. It'll be really interesting to see what he does the rest of the season um, in league play. And then the last game of the night was Arizona State loses at Washington 27-20. to They hung tight. Herm Edwards had great clock management Once through the whole man. game, but Washington just more talented team put him away twenty-seven to twenty. So this week's games: UCLA at Colorado. UCLA is a dumpster fire right now. I don't even know what to say. You have the starting quarterbacks' dad calling out Chip Kelly, saying he's a lousy coach. Then you have Monster transfer out this week.
1: Oh, I I did not hear that. Where'd he go? I don't know if I uh, heard he, where he went.
3: He can't go anywhere, right? Because it's midseason.
1: But he has. But he's left he's the officially program. transferred
3: out the program. I think Chip Kelly referenced that he might go one year at uh, a lower level and then come back um, to a P five after it, is that. Isn't
1: that UCLA? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs>
3: this program right now. Yeah. Uh, BYU still hanging off their win over Wisconsin two weeks ago, traveling to Seattle to take on the Huskies. I think that game will be pretty interesting because I think after that Wisconsin game, people won't take BYU as lightly um, as they were last season. The next game, Oregon's traveling to Cal. Again, to see how Oregon can bounce back after that disappointing loss. Uh, A game that was in their graphs last week against Stanford. Oregon State traveling to play Arizona State. Stanford going to Notre Dame. I think that will be a great game. Should
1: be a good game. Yeah, it should be a great game. Um, I think this is the first time, if I'm remembering right, like since the 1940s that Notre Dame and Stanford have met, both being undefeated. So a lot on the line for both programs, and obviously uh, Pac-12 needs a, a high-profile win to, to keep, uh, keep some positive momentum on the West Coast.
3: And then the last game is USC's traveling to Arizona. As we close out our Pac-12 and 12, we pick three games. So the first one we're picking is BYU at Washington. Washington's a sixteen and a half point favorite. Scott, where are you going?
1: I'm going with uh the Huskies on this. Uh BYU. BYU's actually played they've looked really good on the road. They have not looked good at home so far. Um so I think I think it'll be an actually a pretty good game, but I think Huskies win probably by ten at the end.
3: Sixteen and a half points is a lot to ask to beat a team. I am going to go with Washington with the win. Ryan, where are you going?
1: I am
2: also going with Washington. I got to get off the schneid here. Yeah, should we should we talk about these
1: records a little bit, Ryan? No, we've gone Next game, Cameron. <laughs> Ryan's gone 0 for the last uh, 2 weeks. This next game. Standing Scott and I are tied 9-6,
3: Ryan. 5 and 10.
1: Next game? 5 next and game 10. Next game is Stanford. The, the That's like worse than the Raiders
3: next game is stanford at notre dame stanford's a three-point favorite right now scott where are you going
1: oh that's a tough i I'm, I'm gonna go with notre dame um obviously rooting for stanford would like to see stanford do it but that's kind of an emotional win and you got to turn around and, and play a very good notre dame team um obviously stanford continues to surprise some people so I would not be surprised, but my pick's going to go with Notre Dame.
3: I'm going to go with Notre Dame as well. Uh, Frankly, Bryce Love just isn't the same Bryce Love that we're used to seeing.
2: Not so fast, my (laughs) friends. Stanford pulls the upset on the
3: road. And then our last Pac-12 game we're picking is USC at Arizona. USC right now is a three-point favorite. It's been hovering around two or three points. Scott? Uh,
1: I'm I'm actually hoping that uh, they get uh, kidnapped over the Mexican border. Both schools? Both schools. But since that's probably not likely to happen, I'm going to go with USC.
3: I think this game's going to be super close. JT Daniels had a a good game last week. Again, I don't know if he can do that again, back-to-back weeks and on the road.
1: He definitely can't shave his stash back-to-back weeks.
3: That being said, I'm going to go with Arizona. I think they have some things figured out. I'm going to go Arizona, right?
1: I'm with you, Cam. I think
2: uh, I don't think
3: USC is all
2: they're cracked up to be right
1: now. <laughs> you just got the kiss of death, Ryan, agreed with you. <laughs> Arizona in the upset.
3: Bear down. Our last game, we have Utah traveling up to Pullman, Washington State. We have
2: a game this week? Woohoo!
3: This game's really interesting. As, as Michael said, this game has been a one- two point favorite for Washington State. I've seen some sites that have Utah's a one point favorite. I think it's gonna be a close game, but Scott, who wins and what's your score?
1: Oh, this obviously this is gonna be a big test. Um, Washington State's offense is prolific. And I mean you watch them last week against USC and they had guys running wide open throughout the field. And so it's gonna be a big test for for this defense and even even a good a good showing by this defense. You hope to keep them below probably twenty twenty eight points. I think that would be a phenomenal performance. Um, the question is, can this offense score more than twenty eight points? I I'm hopeful, but realistically, uh, I just don't see it. And I, I hate to predict a two game losing streak, but I, I think Washington State gets the win. 31 to 17. Wow. (laughs) I'm in a bad spot, guys. I'd say.
3: (laughs) You know, I'm going to agree with with what Michael said from Cook Center. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm a homer, I'll admit. I think in this bye week, Utah's figured some things out. I'm going to say Utah wins 27 to 24. Ryan, where are you going in this game?
2: Oh, man. I'm torn. Uh I think I'm a little I'm not as confident as Cameron that they've turned it around, but I'm more confident that the defense can step up and hold a, hold Washington State to a reasonable amount of points, at least enough that we can score a little bit more to beat them. So I'm going to say maybe we can get to double digits <laughs> this week. I'm going to say Utah wins 20 to 17.
3: All right, so that's going to do it on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter?
1: At Drum and Feather. That's Drum,
2: the letter N, Feather.
3: And Scott?
1: You can find me at U-Man underscore forever.
3: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And you can always catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. And at our home at UtahManPodcast.com. And hopefully Utah gets a much-needed win against the Washington State Cougars. And go Utes!
1: Go Utes! Go Utes! will be tell Well good. Let's cut it.
2: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.
1: Well, it's a good thing Wit doesn't know where I live. <laughs> <laughs> you'll yeah. get—you'll get used to the—the—the the, the stuttering from Cameron. <laughs> It, it, <laughs> I hate Scott so much. It just you, 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 it happens so much you just stop noticing it. I hate him.
2: <laughs> oh, I guess turnabout's fair play.
1: Yeah, I have a whole podcast to catch up on Cam. <laughs> oh, shoot, I thought you were gonna say I just want him to wear something. <laughs> well, that too. At this point, shirts and skins may be an upgrade. <laughs> Then we got the coaches over there. That have, they have fractions and, and math problems on their shirts. U over Under Armour equals... U divided by Under Armour equals bad offense. <laughs> I'm just a ray of sunshine. My bye week mm. has not ended. Apparently that vacation didn't
2: do him well. <laughs>